Gladly so. Uh, we are going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper this morning and felt like it was appropriate to do so today um, in reflection on why Jesus uh, came for us and also as a basis for the testimonies that we're going to be hearing this morning. Uh, we have five testimonies that we're going to be able to uh, hear together this morning. We did these as video recordings so that partly to make it easier for those that are sharing their testimonies, but also so that those in the at-risk service could hear the same testimonies as we're hearing here at the 1030 service. So there's a, a reasoning behind that. Uh, we're going to go to prayer here, and um, we want to be praying for Nancy Perkheiser. She's in the hospital with an infection. Ron asked that we would pray for her, and we also want to be praying for Jim Spencer. Um, uh, he spent some time in the hospital this past week and uh, is uh, having some trouble at home uh, right now, so um, family's pulling together to, to help out with that. We want to pray for um, uh, Jill and John and, and uh, Jim's wife Sue and the rest of the kids as they kind of pull together to, to help dad out during this time. Of course, Jim is a um, very close uh, to harvests in our hearts and in our history as well. I don't know if you uh, are aware of this, but you know Jim is the man that sent me a letter saying, hey, there's this church uh, in Crawfordsville, Indiana, uh, that we'd like for you to pray about coming to. And, and, um, and Jim and Sue are, are the ones, among, among many other ways they ministered to us, uh, took us around Crawfordsville for the first time and showed us the lay of the land. Uh, so um, they are uh, people that are very close to my heart as well uh, for experiences since then as well. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank him for our church family and certainly lift these up to him in prayer. Lord, we um, thank you for the opportunity for having a group of people that, along with ourselves, we have been called out into a relationship with you together. To be called out from among the many, to walk with you, to gather together. That's what the ecclesia is, Lord. Uh, Lord, we thank you that while our world celebrates Christmas in one semblance or, or another, uh, that we can have a church family, Father, uh, to revel in the gravity together of what it means that you sent Jesus for us. And we thank you, Lord, uh, when we have the opportunity to celebrate that with our earthly family in the same way. But, um, Lord, we know that uh, for many of us, uh, we don't we don't share that same gravity with our earthly family. Um, and so we are so grateful uh, for a church body that we can celebrate together with. And Lord, we also, uh, we hurt with one another. We get concerned with one another for each other's well-being. Uh, we just lift uh, Nancy and Jim up to you as well as uh, uh, many others that... Um, this Christmas is more difficult than uh, Christmases in the past, at least physically, Lord. Uh, we pray, Lord God, that you would uh, be with the Perkheiser and the Spencers and Maxwells and the rest of the family, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that you would uh, allow them to walk through this um, season uh, with your grace and your comfort. Pray for Ron. Uh, Nancy's husband, Lord, with, with the uh, special conditions at the hospital that not able to be with Nancy. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would calm his heart and mind during this time as well. Pray, Lord, for wisdom um, and for peace and fortitude uh, during this tough season, especially, Lord, for the Spencer family in ministering to Jim. We just pray, Lord God, that you would give clarity uh, to what he may need during this season and um, also give us um, the opportunities to, to show our love and, and um, help to them as well. 
Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to celebrate communion this morning. And, and Lord, we thank you for our children uh, as they go to uh, their classes and, and um, to be taught, to, be, to enjoy uh, what it means to be your people together. Pray, Lord God, that you would uh, be um, making a relationship with you uh, alive and clear and uh, close to their heart. Uh, during this time, we pray, Lord God, that you would minister to those that minister to them as well. And Father, we uh, just pray, Lord, for your traveling mercies for those who um, are or will be uh, on the road today. And we pray, Lord God, that you bring them safely back to us. We pray all these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, children will be dismissed uh, to Children's Church at this time. And uh, we'll take a few minutes. Uh, to fellowship with each other. So the, the at-risk service, we, rather than singing, we go through with some uh, reading.
reading of scripture together and doing some responsive reading, I thought I'd share with you from some of the scriptures that we read together uh, this morning from Hebrews. And um, I think these verses are appropriate because they look at um, one of the greater, bigger picture, if you will, aspects. Is this not on? I'm sorry. There we go. We're going to be reading some verses from Hebrews, and I think these are appropriate for Christmas weekend because they look at one of the aspects of Jesus' coming at, um, as a baby, one of the aspects that he fulfilled with his life that we don't often think about, is, and that is being our high priest. And strangely enough, not just being our high priest, but also being our sacrifice that that high priest offered, that he is a high priest offered in a tabernacle not made with human hands. So just reading um, some places in Hebrews where this is mentioned. Hebrews 9, 11 through 12 says, When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, uh, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, meaning a, a tent, if you will, a tabernacle in heaven. Jesus physically, he entered once for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, and thus securing each, an eternal redemption. Uh, later on in chapter 9, it says, He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So as our high priest in offering himself as, as our sacrifice for our sins, he has made significant his second coming, not, just, not that he's going to come again to have to offer for sins again, but he will come again to physically save those whom he has spiritually saved. He will come to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That eagerly waiting for Christ is assumed throughout the New Testament as, as a major part of our relationship with him. I love how Hebrews 7, 23 through 27 talks about him being our high priest. For the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death. From continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. This is part of why the old covenant, the covenant of the law, was done away with because Christ, as our high priest, made that final sacrifice so that no sacrifice need more be made. No, there, there needed to be no more high priests to come after him. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He continues to be our high priest, continuing to intercede for us. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. That's our high priest in Jesus. And then some of my favorite verses from Hebrews, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Aren't you glad that Jesus isn't sitting there saying, hey, I was tempted. What's your problem? That's not at all what he was saying. He was saying he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. And that allowed him to be that high priest who Hebrews 7 said is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Jesus uses that position on our behalf. Interceding for us. Shedding his grace. Shedding his blood for us. And he, like I said, he doesn't take, he doesn't uh, have that standing of having been tempted yet without sin and lord it over us. Instead, he opens up the doors of his throne room, of God's throne room. And I love how the NIV puts it, says, let us boldly come before the throne of grace to find grace and help in time of need. That's what he uses it for. For us who are in Christ, who have accepted Christ as our Savior, as the testimonies attest to that we'll watch this morning, that we can come boldly before his throne of grace. Jesus purchased this. He set aside the old covenant when he sacrificed himself for us. And I'll just pull it up here. At the Lord's Supper. See, Moses had taken the blood of an animal, of, of a lamb or a goat. I can't remember which one. At the institution of the old covenant, the covenant of the law, and he sprinkled it on the people. They agreeing, we're going to live by this. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant between you and God. But Jesus said this. It says, now... As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take it, take, eat, this is my body. Let's take that bread and eat it. says, he took the cup, a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, before you drink that, if you notice, it says they gave thanks. Let's take a moment. And silently, I want to encourage you to give thanks for many of the things that you know this blood needed to cover for you to have a relationship with God. And drink it when you're ready.
Lord, you knew that it could only be the blood of your holy, innocent, blameless Son that could cover our sin. You knew that it could only be the eternal, almighty one that would be able to cover all of the sins of mankind for all of time. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Lord, I pray that um, you would allow the importance of Christmas to overshadow every day of this coming year. But it would be an overshadowing of sunlight, if you can have that. That it would be a brightening of every moment. That it would bring joy to every dark place. For your glory, Lord. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We look during this season at um, Christ being our greatest gift and really the reason why we have the tradition of giving gifts to one another. And uh, as I mentioned, we get to enjoy uh, testimonies from five of our uh, church family here. Uh, we'll be hearing from uh, Lori Early and uh, John Marks and Tiffany Rowe and uh, Nick Truncone and John Maxwell. And uh, a theme that comes up a couple times here uh, comes from Jude, Joel 2. Where we read, Yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It says, you shall eat, oh, I'm sorry, verse 25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts has eaten. Interestingly, earlier in uh, Joel's prophecies, God describes the swarming locust as his army. That, that he uses to bring his people back to him. And then he has the promise, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. Verse 26, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and you, and that I am the Lord your God and there's none else. And my, peoples, my people shall never again be put to shame. So without uh, any more, I, we're going to watch these testimonies. So we're doing some videos of talking about how Christ came down to earth and how he impacted the world forever. And not only has he impacted the world, but he's impacted our hearts and our lives. When he met us, he transformed us and is transforming us to become more like himself for his glory. And Lori Early is here this morning and, and we had asked her if she would be willing to share not so much her story as uh, more so God's story of how he met Lori and the amazing work he has done in her life. Where were you before Christ came into your life and, and met you? I was headed, not headed, I'd been on a long road. Um, 
I've been headed on the road, but lots of drugs and alcohol and a lot of promiscuous lifestyle. Um, and um, I was raising a son in that. Um, to say the least, I carried a lot of shame. So I would say um, I was headed for death. Um, definitely living a very sinful life. Um, but yet, um, I knew who the Lord was at, a, at about 12 years old. I went to a church that was fire, hell, and brimstone, and um, I did fear the Lord, but I didn't know the gospel. So one Sunday, it was October 4th, 1981, um, I was watching a Billy Graham crusade, and uh, all of a sudden I just knew that I needed to um, repent. I was also living um, with my boyfriend at that time, he was away, he was working. And so I picked my son up and we got in the car and we drove. <laughs> I didn't even know where I was going. Hmm. And God's miraculous that way. The Holy Spirit just swept me up is the only way I can describe it. And um, I walked into a church and I told the people I needed to be saved. And they were amazed at that. Mm -hmm. This person just comes to the door and says that. Yeah. Um, but I was thankful that, um, just like God always is, he always puts you in the right place at the right time. And it was a, uh, Grace Brethren Church, Bible-believing, and I learned so much about the grace of the Lord and um, true forgiveness of sin and what Christ had done for me. And um, it was so eye-opening. I can just remember being overwhelmed, not even knowing really the word at that time, but just how quickly it was open to me, and it was like, you know, my eyes were open, just like Paul, and um, I spent several years really walking closely with the Lord, and um, let me see here, Joel 2.12 and 13, um, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And I, I was just, that's exactly how it was for me. The good thing is, now, um, just all the wonderful things, like in John 21, 25, it talks about if we couldn't write everything mm -hmm. that, that Jesus has done and you know, I think John's talking about all the things that, other things that happened, and um, I think each person probably has that same feeling as far as their restoration, the process of sanctification, just miraculous 
walk that the Lord takes us through. I mean, for myself, I could write a book on all the wonderful things Christ has done in my life. And even though he reconciles us to himself, there's still um, consequences um, from sin. And we deal with that as we walk um, this road with the Lord. Um, but even with those consequences that come, I think the biggest change that Christ has done for me is the reliability of his word, the answer for his answer to every question I have is right in his word. Um, the strength to get through the hardest of times, um, the ability to know that he's always there and that hope and how he is changing my heart um, even with consequences that don't look good sometimes. He has changed my heart to look at them through his eyes and just remember what he's brought me out of and just keep walking forward in his goodness. Mm -hmm. And now you have a testimony, you know, where he uses you and um, draw attention to himself, how good he is through transforming your life. And mm -hmm. man, if you didn't, if Christ didn't come to you, um, where you would be right now would probably be a rough place, if at all. Yeah, I'm not you know? sure I would be at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the drugs and alcohol, I think it was more the depression and the state of depression that would come along with those things, mm -hmm. you know. Um, well, I helped with Pam's Promise for a while. Mm -hmm. I um, was a live-in resident of Pam's Promise. Um, hope, my hope was to work with the girls and or the ladies and their children and you know, again, they come from difficult backgrounds and um, yeah, that was both difficult but both rewarding and um, yeah, I can understand the conflict of, you know, raising children. Um, another conflict is you want to be loved by someone and normally it's a man that seems like the natural yeah. solution you know, people you try think, to go oh, for. Oh, if I get a man, he'll solve all my problems. Mm -hmm. um, I can tell you I learned the hard way. That's not true. Mm -hmm. um, I'm nothing against men. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my uh, experience was the man I needed most was the Lord. Mm -hmm. I needed God to um, be that husband role for me. And once I had that, you know, I was, I became much more satisfied in who I was as a whole. Mm -hmm. But that's a hard thing to, you know. You entered into a real relationship. Yes. With the real God. Yes. Who, unlike, you, unlike you've ever had. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's why I say he changed my heart to look at things so much differently than I had before. Instead of feeling lonely by myself, mm -hmm. I felt strength and I felt um, capable of, you know, getting along without um, a man to think that they would love me or whatever. I mean, I knew God loved me and that was just overwhelming. Hi, I'm Nick Truncone, and this is uh, the story of God in, in my life. And uh, so I was actually baptized as an infant in the uh, Catholic Church um, and attended Catholic Church and Sunday school. Um, 
until I was probably about 10 or 11, but I wouldn't say I had a personal relationship with, with Christ then, but I did, I did, I would say that I believed in God, that I believe that there was a God, but he was somewhere kind of out there far away, and I'm not really sure how, you know, how he influenced my, my life, and um, so when I was about 19, um, I actually went to a, a Catholic school, uh, college, to, uh, to play soccer, and then maybe, I, I thought, you know, maybe somewhere through that I would um, you know, start going to mass, and because uh, to me it, it seemed like it was an important thing to do, but I didn't really know, you know, still didn't understand that personal relationship with with Jesus, and um, so also, you know, before that, um, I started dating uh, Liz, who's now my wife, that goes here um, as well, and uh, so she she gave me a Bible, I think, um, um, just as I left for college my freshman year. We had been dating for about seven or eight months before that, and um, so I, I read it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I guess I kind of started to grow that way a little bit, but it wasn't really until um, the next summer, so this would have been after my freshman year of college, and, and there was an, an evangelist preacher that, that came here to Harvest, and, and um, he, he, you know, he kind of asked the question, um, uh, where would you be today if, if, you, if you died? And I didn't really know how to, to answer that, that question or where, where I thought I would be. I wasn't, I wasn't 100% confident that I would be... Um, you know, in heaven with with Jesus as as I as I would be today. I mean, that's, I'm 100% sure that's where I would be. I'd be with be with Christ and be in heaven. Um, so that really got me thinking. And then from that point, you know, I I, I prayed, and, and that's where I would say I was I was saved and and started to uh, develop a personal relationship with Jesus. And and you know, there's obviously been lots of ups and downs since then along the way, but. Um, but yeah, that's that's I'm still trying to grow from from that point today, um, 11 years later. So now that I know Christ, I, th I think it's made a huge difference in my life. I don't I don't think I probably would have ended up getting married to Liz, um, and uh, and wouldn't be the the husband and the, the father I am today. And I, and I think it's it's um, you know I, I always try to put um, you know whether I make a decision try, trying to make a decision for us as a family or, or for my kids. You know I, I try to. Um, you know, be in prayer definitely more than I would have been, um, you know, if I wasn't doing that, I probably would have kind of drifted from having that belief that there is a God to, I think I was, you know, before really Liz gave me that Bible, I think I was starting to drift to, you know, to, you know, really starting to doubt and, and question God. And, and, um, I think I would probably be in, in, in that sort of place and probably be, you know, be doubting still today and, and doubting all altogether. Um, so my prayer for the harvest body is that just the Lord would weigh um, on your heart and mind like he did with me just where where would you be um, you know if you were gone today would you would you be with Jesus would you be in heaven because that's that's he's there um, offering that to you. About a week ago JD told me he wanted to do a uh, testimony focus and bring kind of to light what God has done in my life as we consider Christ like coming to earth this holiday season. Um, I think it's important that we all reflect back and think about how much he's brought to our life and how he's come and impacted us as well. So to get right into it, when I was a kid, I was grow I grew up in a Christian family. Um, my mom put us through Sunday school. Uh, my dad grew up Catholic, was a little bit hard-hearted towards some things, so sometimes in the family there's a little bit of an unequal yoke, which caused later in life we really only went to church uh, biannually for Christmas and for Easter. It was around that time I was about 11, 12 years old was the first time I kind of realized the weight of sin, and we were at church and the pastor decided to play some scenes from the Passion of the Christ. And seeing what he endured made me think as a young kid what it all meant. And in that moment, I felt what I believed to be my first encounter with the Lord and my reception of the Holy Spirit. But from there, it quickly turned south. As I mentioned, my family being a little unequally yoked in the area of faith, Nobody really watched out for what had happened to me, that I was curious about faith, that there was a change being made in my heart. So very quickly after that, um, 
I started getting involved in drugs and alcohol at a young age, and that took me away from what I had just experienced and brought me down a path of just reckless living, of getting in trouble, of um, really just not living for anything but myself, and not growing in any way, but in fact just kind of receding from a lot of things because of the drugs and, and stuff not really <laughs> giving me a good focus on life. Uh, I got into these things. I had a sister who had cancer at a young age, and it affected me. I saw her um, get prescribed marijuana for uh, from California as they were experimenting in medicinal things, and she had a stage four, so they wanted to kind of see how it went, and she ended up doing really well on it, which as a young kid made me think, oh, nothing has to be wrong with this if my sister who has cancer um, uses it too. And so that started me down a pretty dark path, which getting into high school started to begin this strange tug of war between my sin and, and between the Lord. I would find myself keep falling to uh, smoking cigarettes, uh, getting drunk, smoking weed on a basis that was far too much for a young kid and um, then I would bounce to going to church and trying to throw those things away but time and time again it seemed like my sin would just keep calling me back and keep winning and it wasn't until I was around 19 years old soon to be 20 I was moving out to Missouri um, I was following my dad out there in my truck he had his and speeding down a highway coming out of Wyoming, I ended up getting pulled over, and nothing was wrong at first. I secretly had hidden some weed in a spot in my car that I thought would not be able to be seen, and spitballing back and forth the police officer, and strangely enough, as he's about to leave, he looks at me and asks, are there any drugs in this car? And me, surprised, kind of caught headlights. I didn't know what to say other than that I had this overwhelming feeling that I was exposed or caught and it kind of flooded me with the feeling that someone or something was telling me that I needed to come home, that I needed to quit what I was doing, that I needed to tell the truth about my struggles and and that I just needed to turn away from it and so I decided to come clean to the police officer and I told him and he ended up detaining me in the back of his cruiser um, and when he finally was done kind of searching through my vehicle a little bit he walks up to me pulls me out and tells me that he's gonna let me leave um, he tells me that about second chances he tells me about the Lord he tells me about <laughs> he didn't want to keep a kid in this spot who like my family was in front of me and the new life was in front of me so he charged me basically that if he were to let me go to turn away from what I was doing and I get back in my car and I'm driving out to Missouri and all I can think is that that was not the words of a cop but they were words of someone trying to save me and so I go to church the following Sunday once I get to Missouri I find one on my phone and I sit down in the church goes through a series of parables in Luke which is a parable of lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the prodigal son and the classic thing of uh, you think that sermon's right for you and so at the end of the sermon the lights dim and they do some fancy good feeling experiential kind of quotes on the wall and slow music playing and as I'm walking in I see the pastor just walk and walk walk and all of a sudden he takes this open seat right next to me and I just couldn't really believe what all that was about and um, just in that moment on top of all the others before that it just opened me to realize that I was being called home I was being saved I was being given a second chance by not just 
a mere person, but Christ himself who, who came to pay the price for all the sin that I had, everything that made me so lost, all, all the things that were gripping me and, and holding me into a life that wasn't really going to move forward. Considering that, that's what he does for all of us. That's what Christmas is truly about, what this season is about. It's not to worship a mere baby who came, but it's to realize that in God's grace, he steps out of a kingdom so vast and so unbelievable beyond our ability to process. He steps down from there into a world he created. And he comes and he picks each human individually and gives them a second chance. Gives them a way out of the things that grip them to not move forward. Any drugs, any alcohol, any type of addiction, whether it be pornography or, or anything that trips us up. It can be as simple as video games or it can be as horrible as heroin. Colossians 1, 21 through 23 says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all of creation under heaven. God is a God of second chances, he's a God of redemption. And this is a standing before him which we cannot gain ourselves. We're born into our sins, we're born far off. We're born alienated and considered enemies. But by taking upon him himself a punishment unlike none we can imagine. He's brought us close, and a closeness that he'll never let go, and no matter how far we stray or if we fall back into the, those evil deeds we used to do, or still struggle with, it's not about how good you are, how good you can be, it's about the one who came to do away with the old way of living, the laws of to gain justification, but in reality all they showed us were that we needed someone to justify us instead. And as we go through the rest of this season, as Christmas nears, you have to remember that the one who came didn't just come as a child, but he grew up, and he grew up with the intent to die on the cross. And it is that very same death and that very same blood that was spilled that now reconciles us and presents us holy and blameless before him. Hello, Harvest. Um, I would love to share my testimony with you. Um, kind of starts... Um, Early on, my mom was a church secretary, so I was always in church growing up. I remember feeling um, the Lord's presence um, from a pretty early age. Um, he miraculously healed me um, several times from some major health concerns. Um, and I was a pretty obedient child for most of the beginning of my life up until I was about 14 years old. And it was like at that time that my eyes were really opened to the sin in the world. Um, I was a daddy's girl and that was the first time I saw my father um, for the sinner that he was um, and the harm that his sin had recklessly caused um, our family. Um, so it was at that point um, that um, I went through a season of great rebellion. And I remember thinking, um, that I don't just want to rebel, but I want to rebel better than anyone else had rebelled ever before. Um, so before long, I found myself dating a gang member and a drug dealer, and 
I had become a part of this great human destruction. Um, the environment really opened my eyes to the deep harm that comes to those born into hardship and um, the despair um, in that environment. Um, being a part of that culture exposed me to suffering as well. I was raped when I was 15, resulting in a pregnancy. A couple months later, I had a miscarriage. I didn't tell anyone about it at the time. I just suffered in silence. It was at this time that the Lord made his presence known more intensely in my life than ever before. I was broken, and he loved me when I was the most unlovable. Uh, my heart was crushed, and I completely, um, like he just completely prepared my heart um, to receive um, his love and forgiveness. So I was at a church camp, and... Um, it was like the first time, even though I'd heard the gospel throughout the years, it was the first time I really grasped what it meant that Jesus loved me when I was unlovable and forgave me, um, not just of my past and my present, but also my future sins. Um, so it pretty much instantly changed me at that point. And I went back to my friend group and shared the gospel with them. And in the beginning, I experienced some serious persecution. Um, it lasted, the most serious persecution lasted for about a year before I started to see some fruit. Um, since then, the Lord has brought me through all kinds of trials and tribulations, and um, each one has deepened my trust for Him. Um, being a child of God, does not mean that harm is not going to come to you. Um, it does mean that when harm does come to you, because it will, that his grace is going to be sufficient to see you through. Uh, through trials and tribulation, the hardship, that's when you are confronted with the lies that you believe. Um, so some of the lies that I have believed were like I was responsible for my kid's salvation or their sin. But it's like when he takes, when you're involved in, like I have lupus. So there's lots of things that I can't do anymore physically. Like the my strength has been taken away, right? So instead of relying on myself, now I'm relying on the Lord to sustain me. and And that is just... Having the ability to really trust the Lord to sustain you for the little things like getting up in the morning, getting yourself dressed, being able to whatever, make yourself food, those little things, trusting the Lord for all of your needs, which obviously he's doing a little bit at a time, um, helps you to have faith and trust in all the things in your life. So then you don't worry as much you don't stress as much then you can look to the future and, and be hopeful and and know that the Lord is going to take care of you um, he has adopted me as his child and now he has called our family to show that same love um, that he showed me when I was the most unlovable to others who are equally as unlovable it has been a tough journey saying yes to Jesus and it has been abundantly worth every bit of the hardship. Um, I am so grateful for his salvation and um, the ways that he has held me up when I felt like I can't go any further. Um, so that's my testimony. Hi, I'm uh, John Maxwell, and this is kind of my condensed version of my victory in Christ. Uh, growing up, I'd heard many times about how the Lord extends His grace and His mercy. And still today, many may think that just knowing is just knowing this is enough. Well, around 9 or 10 years old, I went forward at a small church where I grew up, and, and I believed something had changed, but I lacked the nurturing to know of or why or how to grow. So a defining moment for me came in my early 30s with the birth of my daughter. 
and daughter Holly, whom I loved dearly. I was a single parent raising an infant, and through the first four years of her life, her protector. Uh, not a stellar start I created for her. Looking back, though, the word was in every moment, but I didn't see it at the time. Through many years of I did it my way, bouncing between the guardrails, failures on failures, I reached the end of myself, and at 43 years old, in the middle of my third divorce, I was broke, deeply hurt, ashamed, lost, and felt worthless. And I recklessly planned my departure from this earth. I'd had enough of me, and I'd had enough of the junk that I was carrying, and, and I was ready for the enemy to take me. Uh, you know, but God had other plans. In the depth of my despair, I heard a voice calling me, and I knew that voice. And he had my uninvited attention, and he asked me two questions which changed my life forever. And on July 24th, 1999, in a leap of desperation, I fell into the loving arms of Jesus Christ. I experienced his love, his grace, and his mercy. And instantly, the weight of the world fell off of my shoulders. And I danced around my living room. I was sobbing, and it was forever grateful tears. He picked me up out of the ashes of the fires that I'd set, and he cleansed me, and he set me free. And I, at that right then, was a committed child of God. So when the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, calls your name, you respond. Well, 20 years now, being in him, faith is what keeps me moving and growing. And even though I'm still human, faith is my personal response to Jesus Christ. For his glory, by his unmeasurable love for me. He's shown me how to forgive and be forgiven and how to trust his provisions and rely on his promises. He opened the door to my current employment of 20 plus years now and I still have no recollection of ever applying. Uh, one evening early in my walk, my daughter shared her broken heart with me and I was crushed. Her pain was a result of my previous decisions and failures. I spent the next two hours on my computer typing all of my life's failures. I concluded that I would only believe he loved me if he came down himself and spoke it. Well, I remembered a note was on my door uh, when I, while we were out and we got home. And I opened the note and I read it and it had Joel 2, 25 through 26 written on it. I read it and paraphrased it says, I will restore you what the locusts have eaten, the great army sent against you. You will praise the Lord your God, and my people will not be ashamed again. Seconds after I read this passage, audibly right over my head in a very loving voice, I heard, I have spoken. Well, I fell to my knees. So the Lord also revealed me in his word to not give up on his provisions and his promises and have faith in his word. In July 2000, while in his word, I knew Jill and I were going to get married. She was like, say what? <laughs> well, during the wait, he knew I needed taught about patience and perseverance. On November 30th, 2002, he blessed us in marriage. I am additionally blessed with five additional children whom I love dearly, and am with them to grow and experience love and stability. Well worth the blessings, and now we have three beautiful grandchildren who are added gifts from God. He's blessed me with this church family to be able to share in lifting up our praises to him to grow from you and experience his love and grace through you. I know that there is more to life than what we can see and touch and hear and smell. It is trusting that God will give us what we need to grow in God's purpose for our lives. God makes the way, and God has the plan. He's showing me miracles of preserving life, yet he still takes others. In my finite mind, some things are still unexplainable, but I still put my faith and trust in his plan. To be attentive to his voice, to be available to share his goodness and his love in these moments, and to point others to him. God doesn't make junk. We are all made in his own image. So if you're still asking, is Jesus Christ worth following? Well, from Romans is the substance of the hope of experiencing the glory in Christ and that to satisfy the future evidence not yet seen. For me, it's a resounding yes.
So don't settle as I did for many years that a relationship with God is merely knowing of him. I can't say it enough of how much he loves and how much he desires an intimate, personal relationship with each one of us. Now more than ever, I encourage you to surrender to him. And if you truly submit to him, then seek his face, trust in his plan, pray without ceasing, and ingest his word day in and day out. So for those who are still walking the fence, are you ready? It will be the hardest thing that you will ever love to do. He is worth it. Know him. So let go. He's waiting to catch you. So take the leap. out there thinking how wonderful it was to hear those stories. I love to hear how God worked things out for everybody. Thank you so much. I know it's hard to be asked to do that. I really enjoyed that. Thank you very much, everybody who shared. It's truly a blessing. Praise God for the wonderful things and how much he loves us all. Praise God for that. It's very humbling to to a human to do that. But I know it gives God the glory through it. So see if I can't get through this. Shelter like the one of your name. 